0: seven, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to be in the house of God. I thank you, Lord, for each and every person that's gathered here this morning. Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to work in our life. Lord, we ask that you would show us truth this morning, that you would lead us in paths of righteousness. Lord, I pray that not one person here today would leave this place self-governed Not one person here would leave this place, Lord, uh, self-reliant, but Lord, I pray that we would humbly submit ourselves to you this day. Lord, we ask for that anointing to be in the house of God today to accomplish what you desire. I pray, Lord, for that anointing to preach and to teach everything that you desire to be preached and to be taught today. Lord, we all ask for that anointing that we can hear and receive what the spirit is speaking this morning and we ask all these things in the mighty and saving name of jesus christ our lord everybody says amen amen we're here in psalm chapter 37 and we're going to be beginning in verse number five this morning but one of the things that i want to minister to you about today is this concept of self-reliance one of the uh one of the things that america is built on is pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and uh, You can't you know, really watch any Western movie or be in America very long before you get that whole vibe of pulling yourself up by your bootstrap, doing it yourself, don't ask for help, make your own way, amen? As uh, the, the famous song says, uh, you know, I did it my way, which is the national anthem of hell. Uh, but doing it your own way is what we call self-reliance. And what I want to tell you this morning is that self-reliance is antithetical to the gospel, One of the things that we need to do in these last days, as we get closer to the last days, as we get closer to the return of Jesus Christ, is we need to make sure more than ever that we are not self-reliant, but we are spirit-reliant, that we are relying on the power and the help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, because there are today, there's confusing spirits, there's spirits out there that are the spirit of the Antichrist out there that is leading people astray but what god has called us to do is to not be self-reliant but to rely on the power of the holy spirit in our life now that that the process that that, now it's easy to say but the process that that gets to gets nitty-gritty because each and every one of us have issues that we like to control amen I don't know about you, but one of, the, one of the, the scariest things, you know, is whenever you're teaching someone to drive and you want to hold on, you want to hit the brake for them and you want to turn the steering wheel for them because you want to control it, right? Because you're not in control and you don't trust them. Amen. I don't know if you've ever been in that spot, but it's, you've got to really yield control whenever you're teaching someone how to drive. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to be taught how to drive. Amen. He knows how to drive. He knows where to go. You don't. He knows how to get there. You don't. Amen. He knows how to drive better than we do. But what he needs is for us to take our hand off the steering wheel. He needs us to to stop trying to hit the brake or the gas. He needs us to release the care and the desire and to give it to him. In Psalm 37, verse number 5, the word of God here says, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noon day. One of the things I want to tell you this morning is, you know, if if you want to have Holy Ghost empowerment in your life, you're you're not going to also have uh, self enthroned that you can't have competing enthronements in your life. You can't have the Holy Ghost you on Sunday, but the, the self you on Monday. The Holy Ghost will see through that, amen? Now, your pastor and your friends and your acquaintances, they may not see through that. They may see the Holy Ghost you on Sunday and then you take control on Monday. They may not see that that dichotomy, but God does. And how many of you know that God's not going to be mocked? Right. So you can you can flap your wings and you can bark and you can howl and you can jump in the air and do cartwheels and everything else. But you will do it absent from the power of God. You will do it without the anointing of God. You will do it without the blessing of God. In other words, if you want to be a self-reliant person, you will absent yourself from the power of God. You will have you will you will be void of God's power. God will not bless a mixed house. Amen? God won't do it. He's not going to be mocked. He will put, you know, over the doorway of your soul, He will put Ichabod. If you don't want the glory of God to permeate through the whole, he will write Ichabod over there and it will be empty of the power and the blessing of God. And I want to tell you, I believe that the church, you know, that Peter t- teaches us over in the New Testament that judgment starts with the house of God. And I believe that we're coming up into a time where the church is going to get into a place of desperation where we desperately need the empowerment that comes from the Holy Ghost. And if we're not willing to let go of self so that the Holy Ghost can have the all, we're going to be we're going to run into a ditch. I believe that we're coming up into a time when God's not. God's been tolerating a lot, I believe, in these last days. God's been tolerating the church being foolish in America. We've sold and, and, and uh, profited, not spiritually, but monetarily, off the gospel. We've sold the gospel. We've, we've trademarked the gospel. We've packaged it and made it glittery and flashy. And a lot of people know the power of God only in word but not in deed. And, and I believe that we're coming into a season when God's calling us to, to set ourselves apart, to, to let go of all self-reliance and be completely God-reliant. And this is the hour I believe God's calling us to this time, to this task, to be a consecrated people for this hour. In other words, if you think that you're gonna be able to navigate and, 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 and walk this uh, worldly, godly, worldly, godly, worldly, godly path, all the way up to the rapture, you've been deceived by the devil. Amen. You've got to come out from among them. God said, come out from among them and I will receive you to myself. So one of the callings that God has on your life is to come out from among them. And this question has been really burning in my heart. I've been asking this to people on the street as a witness to them, but how important is it that we walk on the narrow way? I mean, How important is it that we walk? Do you realize that God called you to the narrow way? If you, how, many of you, how many of you follow Jesus? Raise your hand if you follow Jesus. Okay, you can't follow Jesus and walk like the world. Throw tomatoes if you got to, but that's the truth. Okay, so there's a broad road that leads to destruction, but there's a narrow road that leads to life. And when you choose Jesus, you chose the narrow road. You chose to get off the broad road to destruction. Now, I know how it is because I've got a devil, too. Amen. The devil comes at me just like he comes at you. Amen. He doesn't like me. He don't like you either. Right? Right? Okay. So the devil don't like us, and he wants to whisper the sweet nothings in your ear, and he'll say, oh, you don't have to live like that. You 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 don't have to live like that. You can live like the world, and still name that name. And still name that name. See, when the devil when the when the when the devil gives the antichrist power, he's going to come. He's not going to uh, he's not going to say you can't use the name God. He's just going to supplant that name. He's going to call himself God. Amen. It's going to be like an Oprah Winfrey kind of God. That everything fits under that umbrella of the name God. But you see, with Jesus, is different. With Jesus, you've got to let go of all other lovers. You've got to let go of self. You've got to let go of of Eastern mysticism. You've got to let go of worldliness. And you've got to come off that broad road. And so I, I would ask you, like I ask others, what is it about your life that says you walk the narrow road? What is it about your life that that somebody can look at you and they say, you know what? That dude is walking the narrow road. That woman's walking the narrow road. Because Jesus, he said that that the narrow road is the one that leads to life, but it's the broad road that leads to destruction. That's only two roads. And so that tells me that each and every one of us is on one of two roads. And how many of you want to just go ahead and we don't have to be scholars, but we can say the broad road is the world road. Right. So what is it about your life that just speaks the volume that says you are on the narrow road? And I want to challenge you this morning, because if you're not on the narrow road, you are a self-reliant person. But if you're on the narrow road, you've you've submitted, you've let go of that thing. And as it says in verse uh, here, verse number five, you've committed your way to God. You've said, you know what, Lord, I'm committing my life to you. I'm committing all that I am and all that's going to happen to me. I'm committing everything to you. The word commit. Amen. How many of you know what it means to make a commitment? Amen. How many of you know what it means to make a commitment? Amen. One of the worst whoopings I ever got was when I wanted to quit playing soccer as a kid. You made a commitment, you're going to do it. (laughs) When you make a commitment, you stick with it, don't you? And, and, And so the word here says, commit. Look at that. It says, commit thy way unto who? The Lord, my way. My way, everything about me has to be committed to God from the way that I raise my children to the way that I treat my wife, from the way that I, I, I work, from the way that I dress, the way that I talk, the way that I eat. Whatever I go, wherever I go and whatever I do has to be committed to God or I'm self-reliant. I'm, I'm breaking that commitment. And I don't know about you, but I committed myself to God. Amen. Amen? I gave myself to God. Amen. I thank God that he I thank God that he gave himself for me. And I'll never forget that time that I got down on my on my knees and I gave myself to him. And I said, I thank you for giving yourself on that cross. I thank you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I know I don't want to go to hell. I know I deserve hell. But I thank you, Lord, for giving yourself for me. And from this point forward, Lord, I give myself to you. I'm submitting myself. I'm, I'm going with God all the way, wherever it takes, Lord. I'm going with you all the way. Amen. I love when we sing that song. We're going all the way. But, you know, God has called you to walk that narrow road all the way and to commit everything about life to him. The way that you view things has to be committed to God. The way that you view money the way that you view politics, the way that you view the church, the way that you view Halloween, Christmas, the way that you view whatever it is. It has to be committed to God and then done God's way. Amen. Amen. Commit your way unto the Lord. And it says, trust also in him. Now, you know, that may sound redundant to some of us. Commit yourself to God. How many of you know that sometimes we make a commitment to people, but we don't really trust them? Right? How many of you know that sometimes in a marriage you may make a commitment, but you don't trust them? You check up on them. to Make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to be, and you don't really trust them. Amen? But God said, commit yourself to him and trust him. In other words, whenever I'm committing my life to God, I'm releasing the care. I'm, I'm saying, Lord, my life's in your hands. And I trust you. I've heard the voice of the shepherd. I know that you love me. I know that you care about my life. I know that your plan for my life is better than any plan I have. And I am just trusting you whatever, wherever we go and whatever we do, I'm trusting you. I think back of Joseph, and how many of you know that Joseph had a hard life? Amen. Joseph had a hard life. He, he grew up the favorite of his dad, and his brothers hated him for it. And he was sold into slavery by his brothers. While a slave, he, uh, you know, you're dealing with family betrayal. A lot of us, we can't get past when family betrays us. Amen. But he navigates through that, family betrayed him, and he becomes one of the best slaves in Egypt. In fact, he became such a great slave that he was second in command over the whole house. And then when he wouldn't sleep with the master's wife, they threw him in the dungeon. And I think of that, and I, I think of how he must have felt in that day when he's thrown in the dungeon because he wouldn't commit sin with this woman. He, was, he had integrity. Nobody else would have known it except for him, her, and God. But he had integrity. He had a heart for God. He had committed his way to God. But then he found himself in the dungeon. And I believe it's in that moment, that's where you see in this verse, you, you commit yourself to God, but sometimes you may find yourself in a dungeon because of your commitment to God. Sometimes you may find yourself in a place where it's not fun and you and, and if you're if you don't get this right, if you don't get this right, you're going to go through a time. You're going to commit yourself to God and you're going to find yourself in a dungeon. And if you don't also trust God in that moment, you're going to hear the devil whisper, see what happens when you follow God. See, you, you, you committed your way to God and you committed yourself all the way to the dungeon And then that devil will say he don't care about you. What a liar. What a liar. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But he'll speak those things in our weakest moments. And that's why God says here, commit yourself to him and trust him. That means no matter what happens in my life, Lord, I'm committed to you and I'm trusting you. I'm trusting that even if I got to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, look, I'm not going to fear any evil because God hasn't left me. God's with me. And that's what Joseph found when he was in that dungeon. He committed his way to God. He had integrity, but he found himself in a situation that wasn't fun. Amen. How many of you have been in a situation in life You've committed your way. You've walked with God, but you ended up in a place that's not fun. I don't think it's much fun being in a dungeon in Egypt. I guarantee you they didn't have air conditioning and cable. (laughs) Amen. They weren't watching football and playing dominoes in there. This was not fun. And yet, because of his commitment to God, that's where he was. But God was doing something in the process. God was doing something. God always has a process and a plan for everything. God never wastes anything. God never, God never allows us to go through these things willy nilly. There's always a plan, a purpose, and a process that God has for these things. And when when Joseph was down there, and he didn't complain, and he wasn't bitter, and he didn't get mad at God, he just kept trusting the hand of God. Amen. One of my favorite ministers, of Oswald Chambers, he said, true faith is, is when you don't know where you're going, but you trust the hand of the one leading you. Amen. And that's what I believe Joseph got into when he was in that dungeon. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, God, but I'm holding your hand and I'm trusting you in this thing. And little did he know, just a few days later, he'd be second in command to Pharaoh. God was doing something amazing and God was going to use Joseph, this man of integrity, this man that trusted him, this man that committed his way to him. God was going to use that man to preserve every Hebrew. Wow. But if he would have not been committed to God and if he would have while he's in the dungeon said, you know what, forget it. You know what? I, I, I've tried the best I could. I held on to my integrity and look where it got me. You see, that's exactly what the devil wants. Because when you're in that season, when you're in that season where you're having to walk by faith and not by sight, when you're in that season and you can't see that daylight, but you're following the steps of God and it's still dark, I want you to know it's not going to be dark forever. God turns our morning into dancing. Amen. God tor- turns our morning into dancing. It won't be midnight hour forever. God will shine his light down upon you. If you'll remain faithful and trusting in him and believing upon him and stay committed to him, the light will come. Amen. It may be midnight hour, but that sun's coming up. God won't let you hang forever. Amen. But God wants to see you. God will prove you. God will prove you. He wants to see what's in you. He wants to see what you're made of. Amen. He will refine you in the process. And I believe each and every one of us that that trial by fire, it refines us and removes the impurities in our walk. And God knows the impurities that's in our souls. And he alone knows what we can handle and what we can't. And he knows when the road's too hard for us. And he'll bring that escape right at the right time. Amen. But what God's looking for today is for you to release and roll the care of your life on him. That's what God's looking for. Look at that again. It says, commit thyself, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. I want to tell you something else on this before we kind of go further, but. You know, something about this that I believe we need to look at, that last phrase, it says, he shall bring it to pass. You know, you can do things in the flesh. How many of you know you can bring some stuff to pass in the flesh? Come on. How many of you can do something in the flesh? Whatever you do in the flesh won't last, will it? It's not eternal. It has no spiritual profiting in it. In fact, it'll make things worse. You see, whenever our way's not committed to God, and we're not trusting God, but we manipulate people, throw a guilt trip on somebody, just kind of stir things to our agenda a little bit. We put our hand to things we shouldn't be putting our hand to because we're not trusting God in that thing. Amen? We preaching to somebody, Amen. But God's looking for people that will take their hand off the stirring pot. God's looking for people that will take their hand off the steering wheel. God's looking for people that say, "You know what, Lord? I'm going to commit and trust this thing to you, and I know what God brings to pass will last." I know when it's a work of the Spirit, it's a true work that'll stand the test of time, that'll stand the fires of hell. I know that when God brings something to pass, it's an eternal thing. But when I bring it to pass, oh man, it's just a, it, it's just a shell. All, all it takes is just a cool breeze to blow it over. It'll fall apart it, it, when just a little bit of heat applied. A work of the flesh will fall apart just like that. Amen. If, if, if it's a work of the flesh, nothing you do is going to keep it standing. But if it's a work of the spirit, nothing the devil does will knock it down. Amen. You need to know the devil's a liar. And if you build your own house, nothing you do is going to make it stand. Amen. You'd be like that person that's, that, that's got those spinning plates here and here and here and here. And you got one dropping here and you got to go over here. Everywhere you look, you got to do balance this and balance that. Because when it's a work of the flesh, nothing that you do will make it stand. It will fall. God won't allow a work of the flesh to remain. But oh man. When it's a work of the spirit and you've committed that thing to God and you've trusted God in that thing and God comes along beside you and God begins to work on your behalf and God begins to build that house. No demon in hell, no devil and no plan of the world can knock the work of God down. That's why Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church because his church is a spirit born spirit bred thing. If, it, if the church was a work of the flesh, every devil would be knocking it down. But the devil can't knock the church down. Amen? Because the church has been built by the Spirit of God. And if you'll learn this and apply this in your own life, you'll know and understand how to stand the test and the trials of life. You've got to get this thing committed to God, and you've got to trust God in it. And what God builds, no devil will knock down, in Jesus' name. Amen? Isn't God good? Let me tell you something. Before you can go deeper with God, before you can go deep, How many of you want to go deeper with God? Amen. I, want, I, I always want to go deeper with God. Lord, take me deeper. Take me deeper, Lord. Amen. I deep cries out to deep. Oh, God. Take me deeper. I'm not satisfied with where I've been. I want to go deeper. Amen. Amen. If, if, if you've ever tasted God, you're never satisfied with where you've been. It's a fountain that never runs dry. It, it, it speaks of a continual drinking from that fountain. Amen. You can't say, oh, that fountain flowed yesterday. No, it flows. You don't flowed, it flows. Come on, somebody. And, and and there's a there's a desire in the child of God to go deeper. And if that if that desire's not in you, you've got crosswired somewhere along the way. If if you're satisfied, you've got crosswired. You 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 got misaligned somewhere. You 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 got a hold of the wrong food, you got a hold of the wrong meat. Somebody been spoiling you through lies and and, and vain teachings. Because if there's if the spirit of God's in you, you're not satisfied. You want more. You want more. You want to go deeper. Amen. You want to see God do more in you. And let me tell you, in order for you to go deeper with God, in order for you to go deeper with God, you've got to have a more full surrender to God. You'll never go deeper with God until your surrender to God is fuller. That's the correlation that God uses. And God knows whether we're surrendered to Him or not. Amen? God knows when I've got my own agenda and I've got my own things to do and He knows when I'm not surrendered to Him. And if you're not surrendered to God, you'll never go deeper with God. God sees right through us. Amen? Amen? It's not rocket science. Amen. It, it's not like you've got to learn Greek and Hebrew. It's not like God said, All right, in order for you to go deeper, you got to learn a little bit of Hebrew. You got to learn a little bit of Greek. You got to be able to uh, interpret this word. No, it, it's, it's harder than that. It's called surrender. In order for you to go deeper with God, there's a correlation with surrender. Amen. Now, these types of things that I'm telling you this morning, these are the types of things that people will charge money for in our generation. That's why I say God's going to judge America, because they've trademarked the gospel. They profit monetarily off the gospel, but God's not mocked in that. God won't allow those things to stand. I don't know, I don't know what's going to knock it down, but God's going to knock it down. He, he never allows those kinds of things to just keep going. He'll let it go for a while. He'll deal with these people. He's convicting these people, but he will knock the whole system down eventually. Uh, but it is the work of the Spirit that will remain. Amen? All right, a couple of things I want to get into this morning is, is uh, coming along the same line. Um, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to show you about commitment. 1 Peter chapter 2. One of the things I've said in the past, I think it, 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 it bears repeating, is that God will never ask you to do something that he didn't do. Think about it. He'll never ask you to do something that he didn't do. God asked you to forgive your enemies. Guess what he did? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. I mean, he'll never ask you to do something he didn't do. Our high priest, he's touched with our feelings of infirmities. He knows what it's like to live this life. He incarnated in flesh. He dealt with the daily issues of life. And he won the victory over them. Amen. But one of the things that he did is he committed himself to the plan that the father had. Look with me in in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to move down to verse um, let's start with verse number 21. All right, let's start. Let's just start with verse number 20. It's a good stuff. It says, for what glory is it? If when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. Uh, I I, I wanted to read that because it goes in exactly with Joseph. Joseph suffered for doing right. He wouldn't sleep with a woman. He wouldn't commit adultery. He wouldn't sin. He had integrity, and he had to suffer because of it. But because he didn't complain, he didn't get bitter, he had committed his way to God, and he trusted God in it. God blessed that man and preserved every Hebrew because of it. Look at verse 21, it says, For even hereunto were you called. Did you know that? That, that don't sound like fun, Pastor. <laughs> he didn't say it'd be fun, but God said he'd give you the strength. Amen. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in. You should follow his steps. You should follow in his steps. You should follow him. Christ suffered for me. Am I suffering for him? Christ suffered for me. He he allowed himself to be touched with my feeling of infirmity. He, he went through those valleys. He went through the, the, the humiliation. He touched these things that are unspeakable. He allowed himself to be hit. And mocked he became the object of the wrath he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him and so he suffered for me my salvation cost something did yours and so he leaves me this example if he suffered for me, and he bought me, and he owns me, and I likewise, as I go through this life, will be called to suffer through things. I will. Not in my own strength. You do it in your own strength, you're going to fly off the handle. I've had it up to here. Stop doing it yourself. Okay? Okay? But when God calls you, he's looking to operate through you because the whole I'm going to come back to this concept. The whole world's on a broad road. You chose Jesus. Jesus is on the narrow road. You turn and you walk the narrow road to that cross. The whole world's going the other way. So inevitably, you're going to have to walk through stuff to stay on that narrow road. If the whole world's going downhill, the broad road's going downhill, but you choose to walk that narrow road to life, you're gonna get hit. You're gonna suffer abuse. You're gonna go through situations. But praise be to God, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And God will give you the strength for every step along the way. And there's not one situation that I will go through that God won't give me the victory in it. Because I've committed myself to him and I'm trusting him in the process. Yeah, see, for this kind of victory, you don't need to learn Greek or Hebrew. You just got to submit and surrender. That's harder than learning Greek and Hebrew. Come on, somebody. That's harder. It, 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 God gets down to the quick of the issue. He gets right down into the, to, to the root and the marrow of it, of the situation. And he's looking for a people that will be his. He said, um, look at this, you, shall follow in, you should follow in his steps. Verse 23, who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. What did he do, guys? But committed himself to him that judges righteously. See, as Jesus was enduring these afflictions, he was being reviled, he was being ridiculed, he was being despised and mocked. He didn't mock back. He didn't revile back. He didn't go tit for tat. He didn't didn't get road rage. He didn't get, I'll get you when I come back. I'm going to remember you. He wasn't there to get even. He was there to be a ransom. And he said that when he was on that cross and they were reviling him, he didn't revile back. What did he choose to do instead? Turned his attention to the Father. And he said, Lord, I'm committing this thing to you. You judge righteously. You judge righteously. See, when, when, when we're on that narrow road and the world's giving pushback and, and, and there's resistance and we endure hardships and we go through afflictions, we say, God, you see it. You're the righteous judge. It's not like God's blind and impotent. It's not like God can't hear me or see me. God knows what I'm going through. And he judges righteously. So what I'm going to do, Lord, I'm going to commit this thing to you. I know you. I trust you. If there's something that needs to be reconciled, if there's an enemy that needs to be knocked down, if, if there's a situation that needs to be fixed, I trust you. I know you're going to do it. I commit this thing to you. And you see, Joseph, he had no idea. Whenever he was down there in that dungeon, he had no idea. He didn't have a promise that God was going to raise him up the second in command of the Pharaoh. Yes, we will hoop and holler, amen. Oh, yes, I'm the head and not the tail. But when you're in the dungeon, you don't feel like that. Joseph didn't have that promise when he was in the dungeon. All he knew to do... Stay committed to God and trust God. And when he did that, God honored it. God honored that. And God preserved his family and every Hebrew because of it. And God's looking at you and I and he's saying, you know what? If Jesus committed himself to the father as he was enduring these things, likewise, we should follow in those same steps. Amen. I want to tell you, the devil's a liar and the devil wants you to get self-reliant. You can't be spirit-reliant and self-reliant at the same time. And you're going to have to come to that place in your walk with the Lord where you say, you know what, God, these things are hard, but I'm going to commit these things to you, and I am going to trust you in these things. And God will honor that faith. Amen? I say God will honor that faith. Amen. He will. He will. He will. Uh, let me show you one, one other passage, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. We're going to talk about the self-governed life. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Hallelujah. Oh, there's a promise in here you got to get. Listen, I I, want to share this with you before I get into this because I I, want to make sure you you get it. There's complications from the self-governed life. Amen. How many of you know that that God's not mocked? Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You sow to the spirit, what are you going to reap? Spirit, but if you sow to the flesh, what are you going to reap? Not fun stuff. Amen. You can't sow to the flesh and expect to have the blessings of God on your life. There's complications to the self-governed life, the life that is not crucified with Christ, the, the life that is not surrendered to Christ. There's complications that come with it. Three, I wanted you to know about number one. You will be void of the power of God. You will not have the anointing and the power of God in your life. If you're self-governed and self-reliant, you're gonna have to do kabuki theater to make people think you got it. You're gonna have to huff and puff and and, and keep all that the, the smoke screen up because you're you're not going to have the real true power of God in your life. You're not going to. God will not. God will not allow you to have the power of God when he doesn't have your heart. You hear me? People want the power of God in their life. You know, Peter dealt with that. One of the guys that was actually into witchcraft and stuff at one time, uh, oh, Simon, he wanted that anointing. He wanted that Holy Ghost, and he was willing to pay money for that Holy Ghost. And Peter said, no, it's not for you. It's not for you, because God didn't have that man's heart yet. God will not put the Holy Ghost in someone that he doesn't also have the heart of someone. So if, if, if we're self-governed, we will always and forever be void and exempt of the power of God. We will have to fake it and keep faking it, and we'll never make it. God won't be mocked. Is instead of trying to compensate, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Instead of trying to compensate for the lack of the power of God in your life. Instead of trying to put on extra religious makeup. Why not just get fresh fire? Instead of limping through this process, instead of faking this thing, instead of trying to embellish things and wish things and want things, why don't we just stop and get down on our face before God and get fresh fire on our life? A self governed life will always be exempt. And void of the power of God. Another thing that will happen if you're, if you're a self-governed person is you'll always be empty. I'm working with ease today. You'll, you'll, you'll be exempt from the power of God and you'll be empty inside. See, God is God, not going to share. You can't serve two masters. You've you got to come out from among them. You can't be unequally yoked. You, can't, you, you cannot serve two gods. And, and so God here, if, if you're going to be a self-governed person, you will be empty. You won't have God. You won't have God. You see, whenever we don't have the power and now we don't have the presence, now we're opening ourselves up to every demonic influence. And the, the demons they don't start out making you cut off chickens' heads and drink the blood. They'll start out in a church. They'll start out with you know going to church but bringing a critical spirit or bringing a religious. You know it it don't start out the way it ends. The devil never does that. Amen. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. You got to be careful. If you're a self-governed person, you don't have the power. Now you don't have the presence. Now you're opening yourself up to every demonic influence that's out there. Lastly, what will happen is you'll get entangled with the world. You'll be dancing with the world's music. You'll be going where the world goes. You'll be diverted off the plan and the purpose that God has for your life because you'll be filled up to the brim with all of the world's attractions. As in Pilgrim's Progress, Vanity Fair, you'll be uh, eating the cotton candy and riding the Ferris wheel when God's called you to go out, and and, and, and to, uh, God's called you to go out and save souls. You'll be diverted from the plan and the purpose of God. So the ease that I'm telling you about, you'll be uh, imp- you'll be exempt. You won't have the word of you won't have the power of God. You'll be empty and you'll be entangled. These are the the complications that happens whenever we are a self-governed person. But I want to tell you, whenever you're a God-governed person, there's just a liberty. There's a liberty. Look at what Paul says here in verse number 12 of 2 Timothy chapter number 1. He said, for the which cause I also suffer these things nevertheless. Somebody say nevertheless. That's one of the best words in the Bible. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. What day? The day he reveals everything, the day the books are opened. The day he comes, the day that the light examines your soul, the day that the hand that God opens the book of life and he scans to see whether your name's in that book. On that day, I'm not ashamed. I may have to go through things, but I'm not ashamed. Why? I know who I'm trusting. I know who I believe in. I know who he is. He's a good shepherd. He's a merciful God. He's a wonderful father. I know who I'm trusting in. I know who I believe on. I know who he is. And I know what the world is. And I know who I'm going to trust. I know who I'm going to trust. He says in that last part, he said, I know whom I believe and I'm persuaded. Are you persuaded? I'm persuaded that he's able to what? Keep. Keep that what you commit to him. Lord, I'm giving myself to you. I'm giving myself to you. And I'm persuaded. Persuasion's a big word. That means I've looked and I've surveyed the world. I've looked at everything. And you know what? I am persuaded beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm going with God. I'm going with God. And I believe that he is able to keep that which is committed to him. God won't lose hide nor hair of one soul. God won't lose one part of you or parcel of you. God knows what you're going through and he's able to keep you. Now the word keep means to guard. Guard, protect, nurture, keep. Do you trust that God's able to keep you? Do you know he's a good God? Do you know he's the good shepherd? Amen? Do you know that you're the apple of his eye? Really? Do you know it? Because it's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to memorize it. But I mean, have you got to the point to where you're persuaded about it? God loves you. He suffered for you. And he's calling you to walk this narrow road. And I'm telling you today, he's able to keep you. He's able to preserve you. He has a better end for you. He has an expected end for you. God's ways are greater and higher than the world's ways. And God is calling you to come out from among them and be separate unto him. And he will bless you with his Holy Spirit. He will preserve you with his own hand. And he will keep you all the way to the day that the books are opened on your life. God is able. God is able. But the question is, are you willing? God is able. Are you willing? This morning, I want you to know that Paul was not ashamed. Look at that verse 12. He said, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. I know people that's been ashamed of God before. Amen. I've known people that will hoop and holler inside the four walls of the church, but you let them get around their friends, and their friends don't even know that they name the name of God. You get them in the right situation, they'll be ashamed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. Let me tell you. When when you get into this place that I'm talking about today, when you go deeper with God because your surrender is more full with God, when you get into this place, something gets birthed. And it's what Paul says here. It gets birthed. When when you're not ashamed, it's something that is birthed. It's not bought. It's birthed. When when you get into a place, you can get a bumper sticker that says, I'm not ashamed. Unashamed. You can get a t-shirt that says, I'm not ashamed. Unashamed. But for you to truly be unashamed in a world that hates and despises God, it has to be birthed from intimacy with God. An unashamed spirit. The the spirit of God that is unashamed. It's not bought, it's birthed. And it's birthed from intimacy with him. And see, that's what Paul had. He had an intimacy with God. He had this thing going. And it was just a birthing that came up. And he was unashamed to be named of Jesus Christ. They ridiculed him. They stoned him. They mocked him. They cut his head off. They cut his head off. But he was unashamed. And he said when he was absent from the body, he was present with the Lord. He won the victory. Amen. He won the victory. And when that book's open, he won't have to be afraid of anything because he lived a Christian life unashamed of the broad road while he was on the narrow road. He committed that thing to God. And from that intimacy, something got birthed in him. Fire. Fire got birthed. And I'm telling you, the day and hour that we live in necessitates the fire of God. We live in a generation. We live in a day that necessitates the fire of God. Why, why have kabuki theater? Why have religious makeup when you can get fresh fire at the throne of God? And the fresh fire is what will keep you on that narrow road. The fresh fire is what will keep you and preserve you on the narrow road. Amen? Amen. Father, we bless you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the fire of God. And we thank you, Lord, for your hand that preserves you.